Hi, I'm Mike Townsend, Creative Director at Project 202, and I'm here with Drew Loomer, Solutions Architect. How you doing, Drew? Doing well, Mike. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Drew, tell me a little bit about what you do here at Project 202. Sure. Well, as you said, I'm a Solutions Architect. Uh, I work mostly on the front end, um, meaning, you know, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, that kind of world. Um, so what I really do is is um, oversee teams uh, in the development of, of websites and web applications. Um, really, when we're talking about working in the front end, that would be implementing designs that are worked out by our, our UI UX designers, um, and then interfacing with the client to ensure that that what we're building actually meets their needs and that it, that it meets all the business requirements. So when you say when you're meeting with a client, are you uh, meeting with engineers? Are you meeting with stakeholders, all the above? It's both, yeah. So as, as an architect, you're interfacing with the stakeholders um, and, and kind of taking their requests and, the, and their requirements and translating them into uh, actionable items for your development team. Or if you're working in an integrated model, you know, it'd be with, with their development team as well. So when people ask you, Drew, What's a solutions architect and, and what do you do? What's what's kind of the quick short answer to that? The, the quick short answer, it kind of depends, I guess, on, on is the person savvy-ish? Um, the person is your dad. Oh, my dad's a computer science professor. so that's, That doesn't work. <laughs> the person is my dad. Okay. Is your dad a computer scientist? No. Um, I would say I work uh, with the internet making... Um, Websites and web applications work the way you would expect them to work. When you go to a website and, and you are clicking on and interacting with buttons and things, that's what I do. I make those buttons and those things. Awesome. So uh, describe, and, and you don't have to keep this at a, at a low level. You can get into the meaty details. But So describe a typical day as a solutions architect for me. Okay. Uh, a typical day as a solutions architect. Well, you know, we work in generally in, in an agile environment. So what a, an average day is can kind of depend on where you are in that cycle. But in general, you know, it's checking in with your, your team, making sure that they have enough tasks on their plate to to keep them busy. So, you know, other front-end developers on my team, making sure that they have a, a specific user story that they're working off of and that they're working on the on the right stuff that's been prioritized and the stuff we've committed to for, for that sprint and all of that. Um, and then keeping that, that feedback loop open with the client so that they're aware of exactly what we're working on and and as their priorities might change, we can um, adapt to that. The average day is is doing a, a lot of coding myself, doing a lot of wrangling of, of people and making sure that they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing, and then working with the client to make sure that my understanding of what they want is actually what they want. Right. So it sounds like there's a lot of communication, a lot of collaboration with um, the parties on the side of the client and on the side of Project 202 to kind of unveil some of the mystery around, hey, what are we actually going to build? What technologies are available to us? And what are we going to actually do with all this? Yeah, absolutely. You know, what a what a, a stakeholder might think they want might not always be evident, you know, exactly how that transfers to the work that we're supposed to do, or they might have a request and, and we might have a better idea of how to go about implementing that than what they initially suggested to us. So it is a lot about communication, making sure that we have the best solution for a problem and that ultimately, you know, putting out the best product that meets the requirements of not only the business, but also delivers a, a user experience that is going to be ideal and, and lead to, you know, more conversions and all of that for the client. So Drew, tell me about a recent project that you've been on um, that you've had some success successes. Sure. So uh, a, pr a project I've been working on lately that's that's actually still going on is um, for an, it's an enterprise design language. So that is a set of user interface components and best practices that um, a client is using to kind of 
take all of their disparate pieces of software and um, start to make them look and behave similarly. Uh, you know, they have several hundred pieces of software uh, that they've either built or acquired over years. And so things look, look very different and, and are built using different technologies. Um, and it leads to not a lot of cohesion, brand cohesion, or, or user experience cohesion uh, across these different um, applications. So what we've been doing is building out the um, basically a toolkit for their development teams to use going forward uh, as they revamp and, and rework their existing applications to start to bring them all into alignment visually and from a uh, user experience standpoint, you know, how all of the pieces on the page fit together and just kind of crafting uh, a tool for them to use internally. Now, how is this tool uh, different than your, your usual kind of marketing guide? Is, is this something that is actually digital and interactive that an, an engineer or another front end team could actually use? Yeah, so think about um, probably a lot of people have heard of Twitter Bootstrap or, or Foundation. It's basically that, but custom tailored to the needs of this particular uh, industry. So that what we're really delivering is um, a set of tools for them to use and a bunch of guidelines um, and documentation for how to use them, when to use them, um, and, and where and why to use them. Like, when do you use a, a, a checkbox versus a toggle and, and all of that kind of best practice stuff. Um, so it, it runs the gamut from that to like, what's the actual code that you use to implement this toggle that we've designed for you? When is this going to be used? Is this something that has a lifespan or is this something that's going to grow over time? Or can you go in a little bit more detail on that? Yeah, so it's already in, in production, actually. Um, we've worked on it for six months or so, kind of get, reaching critical mass and the number of uh, problems we've solved. Basically, we started by identifying, you know, what are all of the components that go into making a website or web application? And then what are the, sp the domain-specific components for, for this industry? Um, and then prioritized all of these features in a huge backlog. And we've been working our way through all of these components and patterns, um, starting with the most common um, ones first. And now that those are um, being rolled out to uh, pieces of software that, that, are, that are in the wild. And, um, but what that looks like going, going forward is, um, you know, as we kind of ramp down on this project, we've created an, an ecosystem for this company's internal developers to uh, keep it running, um, you know, add their own bug fixes, add new components as or or, or modify existing ones as uh, requirements change or or even just um, tastes change. You know, in five years maybe people want the toggle to look differently, and they can in from one centralized place make a change and have that propagated out to, to all of their software. Very cool, man. Um, well, good luck on that project. That sounds awesome, and it, it sounds like it's been fun so far. I hope the uh, the last bit of it is as fun as the beginning has been. Oh yeah, it's been very fun and um, I'll be sad to see it end, I'll say that. I bet. So before we leave, share one favorite experience you have about Project 202 for me. Yeah, if I can just uh, brag for a second about, about what I really like about working at Project 202 and the whole reason I really wanted to work here and continue to work here is um, because it's a place that um, is really into employee development and you know building each team member and their skills. And really my favorite thing so far of, of you know, my time at P202 has been just growing as, as an individual and as a team member and as a, as a leader, as a developer, really across the board. I feel like, you know, I came in here 10 months ago and I'm, 
infinitely better. That sounds really vain, but I, <laughs> I feel better about myself. How about that? Than I did when I started here and, and what I can offer. And, you know, some of that happens naturally over time, but like making that change happen is such a part of the culture at B202 that I'm, I'm just, I've been floored by, um, by how easy they've made that and how important they've made that, that transformation. That's very cool. And that's awesome to hear. Is that because of the type of people you're working with on your team? Is that because of the leadership? Is that just because the career path is is easily defined for you? Like, what are some details around that that really helped you get to where you are? Yeah, it's really it's really all of those things. I mean, it's I work with great people who come from different backgrounds than I do, who um, you know teach me things every day. And um, but then the, you know the, the leadership at this company. You know, it starts there. This this drive to to make everybody better, and and I mean, honestly, they want us to stick around, and you can you can tell. You know, they put these programs in place, like a mentorship program or management training, and all of these these things. That it's like an institutionalized, um, defined way to better the whole team by helping us better each other. Well put, man. Um, I couldn't agree more. Drew, it's been awesome talking with you. I appreciate you spending the time with me. Yeah, thanks so much, Mike. I appreciate it.